Thank you for listening to this resource. Um, your mind is an amazing creation of God. It handles billions and billions of bits of information. It can process 800 memories per second for years and never gets tired. No computer will ever compare with the computing power of the brain. And the, and the Bible says that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You are what you think. More than anything else, what determines your life are your thoughts, not your background, not your genes or hereditary, not your environment, but what you choose to think about has greater influence on your life than anything else. Think about that. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If you are serious about changing something in your life, whatever area it is, you have to start by changing the way you think. This new series, Clear Thinking, we are going to be looking at thinking clearly about your life and future. Because as Christians, sometimes we forget that God has blessed us with the capacity to think. Beyond praying, God wants us to pray, yes, but God wants us to think and think clearly. So in part one, we'll be looking at thinking clearly about problems, part two, about finances, part three, about stress, part four, about spiritual growth. In part five, we'll be looking at thinking clearly about sex. In part six, about relationships. In part seven, which is the final part, about life change. This is part one, thinking clearly about problems. Clear thinking. Thinking is one aspect of life that, uh, that a lot of people uh, over the years is not synonymous to Christianity. I mean, Christians are largely not, and that is actually a lie because the greatest thinkers in history are Christians. The greatest thinkers are Christians. In fact, the greatest institutions of learning were started by Christians. And the list can, we can start from Harvard to Yale to Cambridge. And all those big names were started by Christian thinkers. And Christians, of course, that think very clearly. But unfortunately, when we, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and we, we kind of think that the Holy Spirit has come to nullify our thinking or to numb our thinking or to make us not to think. But the converse is the case. The Holy Spirit has come to activate our thinking and to raise it to a higher level. Praise the name of the Lord. So, today... We will be looking at thinking clearly about problems. Next week, we'll look at thinking clearly about something else. And something else until we are done. Clear thinking. The mind is a very powerful tool. In fact, there's... there's no single computer, even a, 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 when you cascade computers, scientists tell us that 
it is still not as powerful as the mind. So the mind, it's a very powerful machine. They tell us that the mind can process 8 million memories per second. And the human mind is so powerful that the people that are categorized as geniuses, the best of men, the best thinkers of men, use about 10% of the mind. Wow. Some of us are using 1%. Some people 2%. Some people 0.5%. God wants our minds to be activated. And it's not, I mean, by chance that the word of God says that we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. We have the thinking of God. Your mind is very powerful very very powerful and as the year progresses you will discover that you are going to meet challenges and as your life progresses you are going to meet challenges if you've lived your life until now and you've never had any challenge, congratulations. Your challenges are about to start. In fact, anybody here, your life so far, you've never had a single challenge. Let me see your hands up, apart from the children. Even children, they have exams, challenges <laughs> to think about. And so life... Sometimes gives us curved balls, punches us here and there, and we get disillusioned easily. And today, when we have problems and troubles or challenges, how do we think clearly about these problems? How do we think clearly? There's, if there's one man that has had challenges in his life in the New Testament, it's Paul, Apostle Paul. And in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 4, 8 to 9, 2 Corinthians 4, 8 to 9, the word of God says, this is Paul speaking, he says, we are pressed on every side. By troubles. But we are not crushed. He says we are perplexed. But not driven to despair. We are hunted down. But never abandoned by God. We get knocked down. But we are not destroyed. How does Paul and God's people get pressed on every side and, and yet 
not get crushed? How do we get perplexed, but yet we are not driven to despair? How do we get hunted down, and yet we are not abandoned by God? How do we get knocked down, and yet not destroyed? Problems. When they come, they attempt to do three things enumerated in this passage of, of scripture. Problems attempt to do three things. And um, that's where you begin to fill in the, um, the notes. <laughs> Problems attempt to press us into defeat. We feel that feeling of failure. That feeling. So you, you write defeat um, into this space. Problems attempt to press us into defeat. That feeling, that feeling of failure, that feeling of, of giving up, of, of I've tried my best, yet there's nothing else to do. Problems try to press us into defeat. Problems attempt to make us perplexed. Perplexed until we are depressed. Problems attempt to make us perplexed until we are depressed. And from that scripture, problems attempt to hunt us down into a dark place. Into a dark place. Into a place of loneliness. A place where we can't see ahead. A place of gloom. Problems attempt to do that to us. But how does Paul go through all these challenges? How does he get pressed and not defeated? How does he get perplexed and not depressed? How does he get on down yet not pushed into that lonely place? How does he do it? The secret is in a few verses down the line in that same 2 Corinthians 4. In verse 18, the secret lies there. It says, we, because so, because of this, so we don't look at the whole trouble, at the trouble we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will what? will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will what? Will last forever. So Paul is able to overcome the press, overcome the hunting down, overcome all the challenges because we don't look at the troubles we can see now. I don't fix my gaze on my problems. I fix my gaze 
on God's power. I don't fix my gaze on what is seen. I fix my gaze on the eternal. That's what Paul is saying. He says, why, why do you do that? Are, are you good? Is, it, is it because you want to be in denial, Paul? Don't you want to face reality? Paul says, no. The reason I do that is not because I want to be in denial. It's not because I don't want to face reality. The reason is the things you can see will soon expire. They will soon be gone. So what are the problems right now? Financial problems, it will soon be gone. Marital problems, it will soon be gone. Emotional problems, it will soon be gone. Problems with raising your children, they are becoming taller than you. I want to give you a knock, it will also soon be gone. Because they soon go and marry their own. I know how life is. <laughs> and they say, Oh, mommy, I love you. I didn't know what you were doing for me. It will soon be gone. So, if you allow the temporal to mess up your whole life, by the time it expires, by the time it is gone, you will have lost so much ground. But if you engage like Paul is trying to teach us now to connect to and fix your gaze on what will not expire then you will enjoy your life all through. In fact after a while the enemy will check "Ah, are we not troubling this girl? How come she's so Joyful. Praise the name of the Lord. So the biggest challenge is not the problem. The biggest challenge you are facing is not the problem you are going through. The biggest challenge is how you see the problem. The biggest challenge is how you see the problem. It's your perspective. It's not the problem. The biggest challenge is not the problem. The biggest challenge is how you see the The biggest challenge is not the problem. The biggest challenge is how I see the problem. So the biggest, so okay, fill in the banks, right? <laughs> so the biggest challenge is not the problem you are going through. The biggest challenge is what? How you see the problem. Your what? Your perspective. Your perspective. More than anything else, your thoughts shape your life. More than anything else. More than anything else. Your thoughts shape your life. Your thoughts influence your life more than your background. Your thoughts influence your life more than your genes. More than hereditary. Your thoughts influence your life even more than your physical condition. Medically, they say... People that are physically sick, if they can maintain a joyful state for some miraculous reason, some chemicals are produced and it begins to heal their body. Praise the name of the Lord. So the problem is not 
the problem. The problem is how you see the problem. That's why many times God will say to people, what do you see? God will say to um, prophet um, Ezra, Ezra, yeah, what do you see? I see a plumb line. God will say to Isaiah, what do you see? God will say to uh, Abraham, what do you see? What do you see? So, the cost of your life and the quality of your life is determined by the quality of your thoughts and the direction of your thoughts. And that is so powerful. So, so powerful. Why? Because life is a series of mountaintops and valley lows. Life is a series of, of, of good, mixture of good and bad times. Nobody here on earth is immune to bad times. Nobody. Nobody. President, uh, Senate President, Imams, Pastors, Archbishop, Reverend Doctor, <laughs> nobody's immune. Everybody will go through mountaintops, valley lows. Everybody will have a mixture of good and bad. It's a combo of opportunities and obstacles. The difference is what do you see? Is your perspective. And today, beginning from today, you are going to begin to think clearly in the mighty name of Jesus. Classic examples of thinking clearly is, is, is in the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms is so powerful. When we're young, my grandmother would make us recite a lot of Psalms. <laughs> but, you know, I probably have read the book of Psalms, I can't even count the number of times. And Proverbs, I can't count the number of times. Most of the book of Psalms was written by David. We've done a study on, on all that. And you can see someone that as much as God loved David, David was not shielded from the troubles of life. As much as God loved David, David still had to fight battles. David still had to overcome enemies. He still had people that hated him. As much as God loved David, David still had people that wanted him dead. As much as God loved David, David still had questions that indeed got to answer. But one thing you will see in the book of Psalms is that David knew how to think clearly. He knew how to go through a process that at the end of the day, he ends up thinking clearly. And he sees things and his joy is restored. So we're going to look at you know, three examples, key examples from David. And we'll be done. How to think clearly about problems. So the problems that presses us, wants to press us into defeat, right? The problems that makes us perplexed, want to make us perplexed until what? Depressed. 
The problems that hunt us down want to hunt us into where? A dark place. So, what do you do when your situation looks like defeat? What do you do when your situation looks defeating? What do you do when your situation looks depressing? What do you do when your situation looks dark? So when your situation looks defeating, the mind is the most important thing, right? How you think is how your life would be. The direction your thoughts goes is the direction your life would go. So when your situation looks defeating, don't worry about the situation. Worry about what you are thinking about your thoughts. Take hold of your thoughts. Take hold of your worldview, of your perspective. So when your situation looks defeating, think about the greatness of God. David is a master at this. When your situation looks defeating, think about the greatness of God. You know, sometimes you just run out of energy. You feel like giving up. Sometimes we we just feel, oh, I've tried and nothing has happened. Look, I know that feeling. It's a feeling of hopelessness. And it comes with a sister feeling of, of, so why bother? Why, why, why Why should I keep trying? I've written these exams over and over and over. Why should I keep trying? I've tried so hard. My marriage, my marriage is not getting better. Why should I keep trying? I've tried so hard to submit to this husband. But this guy is unsubmittable. How do I keep going? I've tried to love this wife. She's so unlovable. How do I keep going? I have tried and tried. To make this child of mine follow Jesus. Well, I have four of them. If one is bad, that's three over four is not too bad. I have tried. And the example goes on and on and on. I have tried. I have tried. So whenever you feel defeated, you need to refocus on God's power. And that's what we see David doing over and over and over and over and over. That's why he's so triumphant. Whenever you feel defeated, you need to refocus on God's power. Think about the greatness of God. Psalm 147, Psalm 147 verse 5, the Living Bible Psalm 147 verse 5. The word of God says in Psalm 147 verse 5. It says, his power is absolute. God's power is what? Absolute means complete, not lacking anything. His understanding 
is unlimited. So stop focusing on the problem. Start focusing on God's power. Stop focusing on your husband that is unsubmittable. I hope that is correct. I'm sure that is not correct English. I'm very sure. My wife is really frowning at me right now. <laughs> Are you disgracing me up there? You know? <laughs> but you understand what I'm saying. The purpose of communication is what? Understanding. So if the husband is unsubmittable, Stop focusing on your unsubmittable husband. And start focusing on your, on your awesome God. How mighty God is. Stop focusing on your unlovable wife, if there's any such thing. Start focusing on the God that can make water come out of a rock. Hallelujah. And if you are clapping, stop focusing on people that are not clapping. And stop focusing on the God you are clapping for. <laughs> you know, but it's okay. It's okay. I mean, it's, you know, sometimes, you know, um, people can't see what you are seeing. So just focus on what you can see. We need to stop focusing on the things that drain life out of us. And begin to focus on the greatness of our God. David was so powerful because he understood this and he demonstrated this consistently. In Psalm 69, Psalm 69, verse 13 to 14, Psalm 69, 13 to 14, the word of God says in Psalm 69, 13 to 14, that God, because of your great love, answer me. Wow. You are truly able to save. Pull me from the mud and do not let me sink. Don't let the flood drown me. Now, can you see how he's praying? He's not saying, oh God, this mud is too much. He's not saying, oh God, this mud is too big. He's not saying, oh God, this mud or this sinking sand is too great. He's saying, you are great. Your love is great. You are able to save. Praise the Lord. So, when your situation looks defeating, you do what? Think about the greatness of God, because your life will follow the, the course of your thoughts. Jeremiah, Jeremiah 32, 27. Jeremiah 32, 27. The word of God says in Jeremiah 32, 27. I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is there anything too hard? For me. Ah, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I can't count how many times this passage of scripture has brought relief to my soul. We face seemingly impossible situations. Sometimes. 
I can tell you stories and stories of my life. And even corporately as a church. Take a, 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 a possessing the land, for instance. I can never get tired of that testimony. It's, it's totally mind-blowing. When I get to heaven, I'll still find out, God, how did you do it? <laughs> From week to week, while we're in the rental facility, We're paying every week at least <laughs> a lot of money. Maybe I should say it. Every week. How we play it, I don't know. Sometimes we mop everything and pay. We don't know how we are going to do next week Sunday. I will just remember you are the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for you? Is there anything too difficult? And rather than being defeated, rather than than being pressed into defeat, I get lifted into God's presence. And I'm carefree. But guess what? One way or the other, that Sunday comes, I will pay. I said, I knew you would do it. But guess what? Another time will come like, oh, how are we going to do it? I remember, I am the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. You know, I, 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 I can tell you of a time that I had this pain in my stomach. I, I won't tell you this genesis because of time. It's a long story, but it was self-inflicted. <laughs> and, you know, I sat before God, praying in tongues. You are the God of all flesh. I prayed and cried and prayed myself to sleep. And I woke up, the pain was gone. Me that they said medically could never could not fast again. Forget about fasting in your life. I've been fasting and it's ninety-eight, two thousand and fourteen. How many years is that? As in and I've been fasting. I mean you guys know now. We have been fasting. <laughs> I am the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? So when, when the situation looks defeating, what do you do? Think of the greatness of your God. So the question to you is, what have you been saying? Ah, impossible. What have you been saying impossible? Let's just take a, a moment. We, we are not done. Let's just put our heads and just think for a moment. What have you been thinking is so hard 
Now I want you to bring it before the God of all flesh. He says, I am the God of all flesh. Is there anything too difficult for me? The splendor of our King. Close in majesty. Think about God. Let all the earth rejoice. You know the song can join us. Let all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light. And darkness tries and trembles at his voice and trembles at his voice how great is our God sing with me how great is our God always sing Jesus, if they've called it a name, 
Just put it beside the name of Jesus. So powerful. Praise the name of the Lord. When the situation looks defeating, think about what? The greatness of God, of our God, of your God. Number two, when the situation looks depressing, think about the goodness of God. When the situation looks depressing, think about the goodness of God. You see, depression... Okay, that's you that's, fill in the blanks, right? You know, we need to get used to that. After today, I won't be telling you where to fill in the blanks anymore. Just follow me. Depression is a signal that I have been focusing on the wrong things. That's what it is. When, when discouragement, depression wants to set in, proof I've been focusing on the wrong things. I can tell you that about my life. Every time I try to get discouraged or depressed or, you know, and all that, I just say, oh, 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 Femi, what have you been focusing on? Interestingly, I've been focusing on what this person said, what this person didn't say, what this person should have said, what this person shouldn't have said, will this person ever say, will this person, I mean, it's proof I've been, I've been focusing on the wrong things. And it means I have forgotten all that God has said to me and has blessed me with. Praise the name of the Lord. In fact, depression is caused by the trap of exaggeration. Depression is caused by the trap of exaggeration. What's exaggeration? All or nothing thinking. Exaggerating, oh, there's lion on the road. Or, oh, there's no lion on the road. <laughs> exaggeration. So depression is caused by the trap of exaggeration. The enemy tries to blow out of proportion. What is or what could be. So if, if, if criticized, if I'm criticized, then I conclude, oh, nobody likes me. Is that true? No. That is an exaggeration. Only one person doesn't like you. One, one, one. And for every... 12, there's a Judas. That means for every Judas, there are 11 others. Amen. There are 11 others. I learned that, the, well, not the, kind of the hard way. 
you know. But you don't learn these kind of things any easier. <laughs> I'm an all or nothing person. I don't know how to stay on the fence. It's not a gift I have. I know some people that have that gift. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't, there's not, they are not bad people. I don't have that gift. I'm a white or black person. I know some people have the gift of gray. They can say something that is not really a lie. The pastor is not really a lie. Well, for me, is that not a lie? Or is the truth? So I, 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 I go all in into my relationships, leg and leg and everything. And <laughs> something happened and I was daggered, as in daggered brutally. You know, and I was sucking to God. You know, I was sucking. I, I sucked to God. Okay? Is that Okay. I, and I report people to God. Yes, I do. Where else would I go? <laughs> so I was reporting these people to God. I was talking. And, and, you know, and God said to me, stop, stop, stop. Count. There were more people that loved me than people that hated me. So God said, are you not going to be defined by the people that don't like you? I was healed. Immediately. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. Jesus wants you to know that he loves you and his people loves you. Elisha puts it this way to Gehazi. They are more with us than are against us. But unfortunately, we tend to amplify and exaggerate. And it drives us into depression if, if you don't deal with it. So, so if, 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 if you make a mistake, I just made a mistake. Then I conclude I'm a failure. No, 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 no. I'm not a failure because I made a mistake. You are not a failure because you made a mistake. Oh, you're a failure. You can't really get anything right. You know, no, it is just a mistake. Come on. Say to yourself, it is just a mistake. It's just a mistake. You have delays in certain areas. Or things are difficult in certain areas, then you conclude everything is wrong. Oh, it's my family. Everything is bad with us. We need, in fact, there's a Pentecostal word. You need deliverance. We need deliverance. You exaggerate. Exaggeration doesn't, you see, you, you see the, the, the deception of exaggeration, why it's so strong is that what is being exaggerated exists. So if what is being exaggerated does not exist, then it loses its power. But you can see that it exists. But the problem is we blow it out of proportion. One person criticizes you, everybody does, doesn't like you. That's, a, that's an exaggerated position. 
There's a delay in an area. Maybe God wants to take you through a, 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 a test and want to, want to come out on top. You don't see that. You're like, ah, pastor, there's a, there's a, there's a family course. It's rotating. <laughs> Many times, some people, a bat, an ordinary bat flies into their room. They exaggerate. They have come again. The village people, I knew they will find this address. I need to change my location. <laughs> I need to change my location. <laughs> we exaggerate. And the enemy tries to make us perplexed so that we can be depressed. He tries to bamboozle us so that we can exaggerate our position and become depressed. But God is saying to you today, when your situation looks depressing, do what? Think about the goodness of, of God. So the solution is to enlarge your perspective. Focus on God's goodness. In Psalm 27, verse 13 to 14, David says in Psalm 27, that I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see what? The goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Be strong and let your heart what? Take courage. Wait on the Lord. Be strong. Say to your neighbor, be strong. Let your heart take courage. I mean, David, I would have been despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And I'm saying to you today, you will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So don't be despaired. Focus on the goodness of God. When the enemy wants to push you and make you depressed or the situation actually looks depressing, think about the goodness of God. See, because thinking about God's goodness goes beyond what he has done into who he is. You know, God is not good because he has done good. Yes, he has done good. But he is good because he is good. That is who he is. So, focus on the nature of God. The good nature. The goodness in the nature of God. Psalm 31 verse 19. said we had a lot to learn from David. Psalm 31 verse 19. The word of God says, How great is your goodness you have what? Stood up for those who honor you. You do good things for those who trust you. You do good things for those who trust you. There's a man in the Bible called Joseph. Joseph had a dream. He saw his brothers bowing to him. And he wasn't wise enough to know that's not the dream you tell these brothers that you saw. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. No matter how spiritual they are. That's not the dream you tell them. But, see, I mean, he was young. He didn't know any better. He, you know, just 
went off. Then he had another dream. He saw the same thing in another way. He said, ah, guys, I saw you guys again. No, you're about it to me. <laughs> okay, we shall see. <laughs> One day they, said, they saw him coming and ran from his father. He saw him from a distance. He said, behold the dreamer. La la day. That's what it means. Behold the dreamer. Now, we will kill him and we will see what will become of the dreams. The attacks you are getting is not because of you. It's because of who you will become. Praise the name of the Lord. The attacks you are getting is not because of who you... I mean, it's because sometimes we look at ourselves and compare the problems that we have. And we're like, ah, this is not fair. If you, have you ever felt that way? It's because of the dream that the enemy says, okay, we will see what will become of the dream. Four years ago, I mean, I packed my baggage and, you know, we're not packed as in the, relocated like that, but thinking of, okay, I'm done with ministry. <laughs> I'm off to do my PhD finally and all that stuff. Why? Because the enemy said we will see what will become of his dreams. But God said, no, go back. That God's favorite house. We will see. Now, if God says we'll see what we become of the dream, and the enemy says we'll see what we become of the dream, whose will we see will last? God. So Joseph was, was sold into slavery. You know the story. I mean, he, he went into the prison. Then all of a sudden, he was still faithful. Then God promoted him. He became the prime minister of Egypt. The Egypt was the world power at the time. And Israel needed to come and get provision and the same brothers came and bowed to him. The dream was fulfilled. But the brothers were afraid. Joseph had come so powerful, he could kill them and nothing could happen, would happen. And they thought we have been mean to this guy. He's going to respond in meanness. But Joseph said something that you should never ever forget. That's how you should always respond. You meant it for evil. But, I was a but. But God meant it for good. The goodness of God prevailed over the evil. Don't worry about revenging or getting your pound of flesh back. If God is lifting you up and he will lift you up, they are hungry, feed them. Praise the name of the Lord. 
Your situation looks depressing. You what? Think about God's what? Goodness. When he looks defeating, you do what? God's greatness. When he looks depressing, you think about God's goodness. Many times we amplify the problems, exaggerate it, and we minimize the goodness of God. I want to sing another song. You don't need to come. It's okay. It's okay. Maybe it's someone that has the mic can back me up. I have made you too small in my eyes. Oh, oh Lord. Forgive me. And I have believed in a lie that you Unable to help me, but now, oh Lord, I see my wrong. Heal my heart and show yourself strong, and in my and we. My son, oh Lord, be magnified. Oh Lord, be magnified. Be magnified. Be magnified. Oh Lord. situation looks defeating think about God's greatness when your situation looks depressing think about God's goodness when your situation looks dark think about God's closeness dark days are lonely days they are worryful days They are fearful days. They are days when we can't see ahead. The future appears bleak. We can't see ahead. Everything looks gloomy. So when your situation looks dark, think about the closeness of God. Psalm 112, verse 1 to 8. Psalm 112, I'm reading from the Living Bible. 112, 1 to 8. It says, Praise the Lord. 
For all who fear God and trust in him are blessed beyond expression. When darkness overtakes him, light will what? Will come bursting in. Such a man will not be overthrown by darkness, by evil circumstances. God's constant care of him will make a deep impression on all who see it. He does not fear bad news, <laughs> nor live in dread of what may happen. For he what? He settled in his mind that what? That God will take care of him. Hallelujah. Settled in his mind that God will take care of him. You may be going through a lot right now. Maybe a dark place. But I'm here to tell you God is with you. God is with you. I think it's Acts 16. Talks about how God was with Joseph. Imagine Joseph was in slavery. And the Bible says God was with Joseph. Joseph was in Potiphar's house cleaning dishes. God was with Joseph. Joseph was lied upon. He was framed for adultery. God was with Joseph. He had a bad record. God was still with him. He was in prison. God was still with him. Praise the name of the Lord. By the time he got to the palace, God was still with him. Many of us, we think God is only with us when we're in the palace. Or you only think you, until you get to the palace, God is not with you. You may be in Potiphar's house. In fact, you may be in the pit that your brothers threw you into. Or you may be in Potiphar's house. Or you may be in prison. Or you may be in the palace. Regardless of the peace that you are in, God is with you. Refreshing. God is with you. So, 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 so you, you may be in a gloomy state. God is with you right there where you are. You must realize that when you feel most alone, isolated, abandoned, in that very moment, God is closest. In that very moment. Okay, pastor, I hear it. I hear the story of Joseph. That is encouraging. Can you give me another scripture to prove this thing you're telling me? Yes, I will. Psalm 34. David again. Verse 18. It says, the Lord is what? Close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. How far away is it to the brokenhearted? Close. You see, we, we don't give false hope at DFH. Some things are going to take time, period. Some things are just going to take time. You may go through some Difficult patch. In this church, I'm not going to deceive you that you won't go through some challenges. You will. But I already know the results. 
is victory. Praise the name of the Lord. The result is victory. <laughs> totally. I've shared this story before, long ago. I have a friend. I don't know where he is right now anymore. He, he came in to Nigeria from the US. Back in the day, there's no internet, there's no information flow, no mobile phone, it's very poor, and all that stuff. And Nigeria had a match. I think it was in Nigeria, which was it Nigeria, Argentina, that ended 4 3, that signed with 3 0. Argentina, Brazil, Nigeria, Brazil. We beat Brazil 4 3. We, Nigeria, Niger. Ah, <laughs> now things are happening. You know. Brazil, I think it's, I, I can't remember the country. I think it, it says Brazil. It probably knows better. And my friend came in from the US and he entered his apartment and he met the match was going on. And at Brazil scored. 1-0, 2-0, 3-0. He was shouting, he was cursing the players, he was abusing them. Can't you kick the ball? You know, when you're watching football, you're the best footballer in the world. <laughs> you know, can't you end the ball into the net, you know, and all that stuff. Then, second half. So, second half, we began to score, right? Good. Second half, Nigeria scored one. But I go, but kept quiet. Just one. The game progressed. Nigeria scored again. Go! He shouted. He noticed. Is he the only one that has lights in this neighborhood? I mean, nobody. Is it? I mean, nobody's watching this match. Well, whatever. The match was too tense. Nigeria equalized. He jumped up. He carried his chair. He shaked it. You know, ran up and down his living room. You know, go! Went back. Was what? Was what? Was what? Was what? Was Nigeria scored four three, and won the match. And my friend went berserk. Ran everywhere. Into his neighbor's flat. Knocked on their door. You guys, are you not seeing this action? And his, the neighbors came out. They're like, well, what is it? See, Nigeria won Brazil 4-3. That match. The neighbor said they played the match two days ago. <laughs> two days ago this call is already determined <laughs> praise the name of the Lord the question to you is this if my friend knew it ended 4-3 when Brazil scored one Will he have that blood pressure? When Brazil scored 2-3, will he be under any stress? When Nigeria equalized, he will smile because he knows that more goals are coming. Another goal is coming, rather. The same thing is with, with us. Victory is the outcome. I meant to tell you the result up front. So are you now going to stress because you are down 3-0? No, 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 no. no. The match has just started. Calm down. 
Praise the Lord. Are you going to stress because it's 3 2? Of course not. Of course not. What made the difference? You already know the scores. The same thing. Yeah. We already know the scores. Psalm 37, verse 4. Don't be impatient for the Lord to act, he says. Keep traveling steadily. Everybody says steadily. Along his pathway. And in due season, he will honor you with every blessing in the mighty name of Jesus. Don't be impatient. Keep traveling on the path, steady on the road, straight and narrow. The people jerrying, that's their business. The people antagonize their business. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. You see, make no mistake. God will help you. But on his timetable, he will help you. So, when the situation looks defeating, what do we do? Think about what? The greatness of God. When the situation looks depressing, think about when the situation looks dark, think about the closeness of God. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you.